tonight I wanted to talk about the Dhammapada, which is a part of the Pali Canon, which is the the core teachings of the Theravada tradition, um, early Buddhism, and it's uh, it's pretty much one of the most popular collections uh, in the Pali Canon. The Pali Canon consists of the long discourses, the the middle length discourses, the connected discourses, but these the books, if you see the translations, they're they're fairly thick, a couple of inches thick, and they're mostly what we call suttas, the discourses, and they're longer teachings. They're a few pages to several pages, and uh, they can sometimes be challenging to read because the Buddha taught, when the Buddha taught, his, it was an oral tradition. The teachings were, were not written down for a couple of hundred years um, after he died, and so there's a lot of repetition because that's how you, um, you have a memorization part of the oral tradition. You repeat things over and over again, so sometimes it's challenging. But the Dhammapada is a collection of um, 426 verses in 26 chapters. And it's, I think I mentioned it, but it's one of the, I think it's the most popular collection of, of, of teachings in the Pali Canon. I have, I have one of the translations. There are multiple translations of it. Um, this is by Akariya Buddha Karita, who was a part of the Buddhist Publication Society. He was an Indian um, monk, and he translated a whole bunch of stuff. And so this is his translation of the Dhammapada. Gil Fransdell has done one. A lot of people have done them. Tanisaro Bhikkhu has done one. So it's really accessible. It's, as I said, one of the most popular collections because they are these little tidbits of wisdom, and they they encompass all the teachings. And it's said that the Buddha actually, um, these are the teachings of the Buddha, um, that he, he, he said in various places to different people in different situations. And so it's this collection of inspirational teachings that, and, and these things, these, um, these snippets um, support the, the larger set of teachings that we're more familiar with because in the, in the, the canon, in the, the collected teachings, the larger discourses, we have the Four Noble Truths. We have the, the mindfulness, the Satipatthana Sutta. We have the precepts. We have those teachings laid out in um, more detail. But in here, they're just kind of like little... Um, um, couple of lines just reminding us of particular parts of it and uh, some of them are very famous the first two of of the Dhammapada are uh, something that I say all the time I don't say the whole verse but it's like mind mind it precedes all mental states a mind if a mind if with an impure mind a person speaks or acts Suffering follows him like the wheel that follows the foot of the ox. So if we're doing things that are not wise, we will suffering will come, you know, just as 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 sure as a, a a cart follows an ox. On the other side, because Buddhism is very balanced, the second uh, second pair uh, or the second uh, entry in the Dhammapada is the same thing. Mind precedes all mental states. If with a pure mind a person speaks or acts, 
Happiness follows him like his never departing shadow. So if we act wisely and kindly, uh, happiness will follow us. So those are two pretty famous ones. And then I think, I don't know, I don't, I don't have any um, statistics around this, but I think one of the most popular uh, pieces of the Dhammapada is this one that says, hatred is never appeased by hatred in this world. By non-hatred alone is hatred appeased. This is the eternal law. You know, we hear that over and over and over again. And I, I was listening to something today of Martin Luther King, and he said something very similar. You know, hatred never, never, never wins out. It's always um, peace and love that's the most important thing. So um, what I want to do is kind of go through some of, the, some of the, the wisdom that's included in the Dhammapada and... Um, and it's a, as I said, it's a real sense of early Buddhism. And Bhikkhu Bodhi, who is a very wise scholar, uh, did the did the introduction to this particular translation. And he talks about um, dividing this uh, into uh, four sections of of four different ways to look at the Dhammapada. The first one is for the, the verses that are for the well-being and happiness of all humans here and now, um, where we avoid evil, cultivate good, cleanse our minds, to cultivate patience, generosity, truthfulness, compassion, non-harming, and live in harmony with ourselves and others. And that's, that's the, the, the foundation of the teachings. That's, you know, don't cause harm. It's for our well-being. It's for the well-being of all. Cultivate compassion and patience. So just a sample of a couple of those verses that um, touch on this. And this is, so, this, is a, this is like the core of the precepts and wise action. All tremble at violence, all fear death. Putting oneself in the place of another, one should not kill or cause another to kill. All tremble at violence. Life is dear to all. Putting oneself in the place of another. One should not kill. One should ca not cause another to kill. One who, while himself seeking happiness, oppresses with violence other beings who also desire happiness, will not attain happiness. One who, while himself seeks happiness, does not oppress with violence other beings who also desire happiness, will find happiness hereafter. So there you see that it's really, really simple. It's, it's simple and, and, and um, to the point and really supports these teachings. And then it goes on, do not speak harshly to anyone, and so on and so forth. So it's like really supporting the, the precepts that I, ju I just spent a couple of months going through the Eightfold Path, and this is all in there, but these are like little bite-sized pieces. Um, the next section that Bhikkhu Bodhi talks about is, um, this first piece is about good for our lives here and now. And the next one he's talking about good for our lives moving forward. Um, karma, uh, rebirth is very much a part of um, Buddhist teachings, especially in early Buddhism. Whether you believe in rebirth or not, I think the uh, idea of karma is can be very important in our lives today because if we act in certain ways, we're going to move 
in certain directions. Um, if we're if we're caught in craving and delusion or, or acting from fear or anger, we're going to behave or react in certain ways, which doesn't, doesn't usually end well. Um, it can be gross and huge, or it can be just simple and small, but it's unpleasant. And if we keep moving in that direction, um, we're going to have those types of results. It's that, um, that, uh, little saying around intention. Um, wise intention leads to action and action leads to habit and habit leads to character and character leads to destiny, which is what this is about. If we move wisely and with a kind heart, then we're going to end up in a, in a wise and kind place. And the opposite is also true. So there's a couple of, um, there's a couple of, uh, there's a lot of verses, but I'll touch on a couple of verses that, that point to this, um, this idea of karma. And it's also the idea of equanimity. Your happiness depends on your actions, not on my wishes for you. So we are um, absolutely responsible for our own happiness. Let me see. It may be well with the evildoer as long as the evil has not ripened. But when it does ripen, then the evildoer sees the painful results of his deeds, meaning that sometimes it seems, how come people who are doing bad get all, nothing ever happens to them? And the Buddha is saying, you know what? Once the evil is ripened, once, you know, the seeds are planted and once it takes, takes uh, root and grows, then the person will experience the, the ramifications. And the same is true of um, people who do well, who do good, who are having um, difficulties once that, that, um, those good deeds ripen and take root and blossom, there will be happiness. Another few that touch on this, which I think are really helpful. The evildoer grieves here. He grieves hereafter. He grieves in both worlds. He laments and is afflicted, recollecting his own impure deeds. That's that, that remorse, that guilt, that shame that we carry when we don't do things well. The doer of good rejoices here, rejoices hereafter, rejoices in both worlds, rejoices and exults, recollecting his own pure deeds. The evildoer suffers here, suffers hereafter. The thought, evil have done, torments him, and he suffers even more when gone to realms of woe. The doer of good delights here, thoughts, and the thought, good have I done, delights him. Although he recites many sacred texts, if he does not act accordingly, the heedless man is like a cowherd who only counts, counts the cattle of others. He does not partake of the blessings of a holy life. Although if he, he recites few sacred texts, if he puts the Dhamma into practice, forsaking lust, hatred, and delusion, with true wisdom and emancipated mind, clinging to nothing in this or any world, he indeed partakes of the blessings of a holy life. So that's really nice. Even if you don't know a lot of text, but you act wisely and kindly, it's going to end up well for you. So there's the fruit of our actions, um, really important in these teachings. And, and it's really a good reminder. And I think um, we, you know, sometimes that's what gets people doing this. And I know in my mind, that's a lot of what um, a lot of religions are. If you do bad, you'll burn in hell for many, many years. 
or forever. If you do good, you'll you'll go to heaven. Um, it's the same type of thing with this. It's like the the fruit of your you sow what you reap. No, you reap what you sow. You know, you reap what you sow. So really be cautious. And that, sometimes that gets people to start moving in the right direction. But as you get into this practice and as you begin to um, see how we all are so similar and we're so connected um, and that we all uh, wish for happiness and health for ourselves that and we cultivate compassion for ourselves and we begin to have compassion for others and then we move from a place of generosity and kindness not oh I'm trying to avoid bad outcomes that's why I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do instead we ra actually recognize the benefit of doing these things it's a it's a shift in perspective and this this um, these little sayings point to that and then the next two, the next two uh, uh, pieces of the framework that Bhikkhu Bodhi outlines are about the path, are about the teachings and how we end up. The next one is about, um, you know, the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path um, and the deliverance from conditioned things. All conditioned things are impermanent. When one sees this with wisdom, one turns away from suffering. This is the path to purification. Seeing how when we are all conditioned things, these habits of mind, these ideas we have, these fixed points of view, if we can let go of them, thinking that this will fix me, that will fix me, and just open, like the instructions, just relax and uh, uh, observe and allow, be at ease, then that's where we ha move into this sense of freedom, this letting go. It's through clinging that we suffer. Not despising, oh wait, no. There is no satisfying sensual desires, even with a rain of gold coins, for sense pleasures give little satisfaction and entail much pain. Having understood this, the wise man finds no delight even in heavenly pleasures. There are heaven realms in Buddhism that are not um, free from craving. Um, having understood this, the wise man finds no delight even in heavenly pleasures. The disciple of the Supreme Buddha delights in the destruction of craving. Craving equals suffering. It's when we can let go of craving, um, we're free. People driven by fear go for refuge to many places, to hills, to woods, to trees and shrines. There is no safe refuge. This is not the refuge supreme. Not by resorting to this refuge is one released. One who has gone for refuge to the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, penetrates with wisdom the Four Noble Truths, suffering, the cause of suffering, the cessation of suffering, and the Noble Eightfold Path leading to the cessation of suffering, leading to Nibbana. That is the path to liberation. Letting go, that recognizing that um, a rain, even if it's raining gold coins, it's not going to bring happiness. It's really internal, this willingness to let go. And um, it's not that you, you don't not know all this stuff. Um, it's, um, but as I said, these are nice little bite-sized tidbits. In fact, there's a, in here there's one chapter called The Way or the Path. It's all about these, you know, what is letting go, what is clinging. If you cling, you suffer. If you let go, you are at ease. And then the fourth piece of this framework that um, Bhikkhu Bodhi talks about is um, 
getting to the highest goal, the fruits of our practice, the fruits of the work, and the path to liberation. And he talks about, and I don't talk about this much, um, but it is very much uh, the teaching of the Buddha, and it's the, the, the four steps to Nibbana, to becoming an enlightened one. And um, let me talk about, let me read it, actually. The four stages of definite attainment along the way to Nibbana are enumerated. The first is called stream entry, where the disciple gains a glimpse of the deathless and enters onto the, irreversibly into the path to liberation. So this achievement alone is greater than lordship over all the world. So if you become a stream enter, um, you're on your way. That's, you're on your way to letting go of greed and hatred and delusion. The next one is called the once returner, meaning that you will only take birth in this lifetime one more time because you have done all the work to let go of all your craving, the defilements, greed, hatred, and ignorance. Um, the next stage is the stage of non-returner, which means you will never come back to human existence. And then the fourth and final stage is the arahat, the perfected one the fully accomplished sage who has completed the development of the path, eradicated all the defilements, and broken free from the bondage to the cycle of rebirth. This is the ideal figure of early Buddhism and the supreme hero of the Dhammapada, that person who has really done the work to let go of all clinging and craving. In, the, uh, in Buddhist mythology, there uh, are the stories of the Buddha and his life, his multiple, multiple, multiple lives before he took birth as Siddhartha Gautama. So it's, you know, it's a, basically it's, this stuff takes a long time. And in the traditional teaching in early Buddhism, it takes many, many lifetimes to, to eradicate the defilements. And, you know, um, I don't know if that's true. I don't know how many, if it's true, how many births I've had. And I don't know how many births I have coming, if that's true. I don't actually spend a lot of time thinking about it because I can never know for certain. All I know is that when I practice these teachings um, and make them a part of my life, there's a lot more ease. There's a lot less craving. And so I'm working with that. That's, you know, like um, one of the spiritual faculties, faith. This, this, this belief that if I keep doing what I'm doing and keep going in the direction I'm going in, I'll probably keep getting the results I've been getting. And I like that. So I'm not going to turn back. So maybe I'm getting moving in the direction of stream enterer. I'm not going to say I'm any of those things, but um, I'll just keep going on this path because why not, right? What else am I going to do? Um, so, uh, so this is the, that's kind of the framework that Bhikkhu Bodhi put on how you can look at the, um, the Dhammapada, but just also just a couple other things. They, there are 26 chapters and they're all, and they're, um, all kinds of, uh, of interesting titles evil violence old age the self the world the buddha happiness affection anger the just the path hell so you see there's all kinds of um 
uh, ways to look at this or things to look up. I just want to talk a, a couple others. Um, and one of this is the really important part of Buddhist teaching, which is that we are responsible for our own happiness. I'm not, you know, we spend so much time looking outside ourselves for something to make us happy. Stuff, uh, situations, people, relationships, you know, pets, anything. Um, we looked for happiness. And I'm not saying that things don't bring joy, that things aren't pleasant, but those things are fleeting. That joy is impermanent. The, the, the liberation that comes from letting go of that, the ease and the contentment that arises just from being without cra craving or without preference for one thing or another is the lasting one. And he talks to that in this um, and talks to how difficult it is. Just as an arrow maker straightens an arrow shaft, even so the discerning person straightens his mind, so fickle and unsteady, so difficult to guard and control. I think we can all relate to that. Even though we're like doing it, it's still difficult. Wonderful indeed is it to subdue the mind, so difficult to subdue, ever swift and wandering, wherever it desires. A tamed mind brings happiness. Again, I can, I can really relate to that as well. Let the discerning person guard his mind, so difficult to detect and extremely subtle, wandering wherever it desires. A guarded mind brings happiness. Dwelling in the cave of the heart, without form, the mind wanders far and moves alone. Those who subdue this mind are liberated from the bonds of Mara, and Mara is the embodiment of greed, hatred, and delusion. So it's not easy. And the Buddha <laughs> talked about how it's not easy. So there, it's these reminders that, you know, I'm doing it wrong. And it's like, no, 2,600 years ago, they are like, this stuff is tough, but you got to keep doing it. Focus, focus. That's why there's the uh, factor of the Eightfold Path called effort. And then the, the accountability piece that I was talking about. Um, easy to do things... Easy to do are things that are bad and harmful to oneself, but exceedingly difficult to do are things that are good and beneficial. Um, by oneself is evil done. By oneself is one defiled. By oneself is evil left undone. By oneself is one purified. Purity and impurity depend on oneself. No one can purify another. Let not one neglect one's own welfare for the sake of another, however great. Clearly understanding one's own welfare, let one be intent upon the good. So it's really important to um, see that we are responsible for our own happiness. And then, um, I like this too. This is the chapter, The Fool. Should a seeker not find a companion who is his better or equal, let him resolute oh, should a seeker not find a companion who is better or equal, let him resolutely pursue a solitary course. There is no fellowship with a fool. A fool who knows his foolishness is wise at least to that extent, but a fool who thinks himself wise is called a fool indeed. So I've heard those things before. 
So, but this last one is, um, I love this one. It's from a chapter called The Elephant. When one is sluggish and gluttonous, lazy, rolling around in bed like a fat pig, that sluggard undergoes rebirth again and again. <laughs> I know, huh? That's a good one. So if you're just going to lay around and do nothing, you're just going to keep experience the same thing over and over. We are responsible for getting up all out of bed and doing the work. So um, I, as I said, I don't talk about the Dhammapada. I, re, I, I point to some of my favorite um, phrases, but I think it's really helpful. If, if you have no other Buddhist books, this is the one you want to have. This has got so much that supports the teachings, and it's really worth uh, um, getting a copy of it to look at it, to use it like as a, a verse a day book or a couple of verses a day, and it'll take you through the year. And it's good to reflect on, they're good to meditate on. So I highly recommend that you get a copy of the Dhammapada. It's really, really, really worth it. So thank you so much, my friends. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.